Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Joel. Hi, Em. Every time we're off, I fully forget how to podcast. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say every single time we're off, I have the most dramatic return where I'm like, how do I do this? It's been one week. It's not even like it was a whole month, but I swear to you every single time I feel like I'm having imposter syndrome for even sitting in front of a microphone. Is that happening to you? Yes. It's so bizarre. But luckily, one of the things we're talking about today, the Charlie Little Huddy Landon Barker saga, is something I could do in my sleep. So I feel confident about that. I saw someone made a TikTok about it and somebody commented on it and was like, aren't you 26? And she was like, fuck, I am. And I was like, oh, fuck, I am too. (laughs) I know. I feel a slight justification because technically it's part of our job, right? Right. Right. (laughs) We're going to keep telling ourselves that. (laughs) Absolutely. So the first thing we wanted to talk about is a little bit more general involving Instagram and some of the celebrity and influencer response to the changes because, as I'm sure you all are aware of, in the last month or so, Instagram has been running this test where your feed was a lot more full screen video and there were a lot more suggested posts. And I think we were all, I mean, I definitely am speaking for both of us and saying we were feeling a sense of increased frustration because the Instagram that we know and love and have grown to really understand how to operate was rapidly changing in a way that did not really feel at all consistent with what the public and the majority of the user base wanted. Do you think that that was a fair description? Yeah. And also it's not even just the Instagram that we've grown to love. It's also the Instagram we've grown to become dependent on. Well, yeah. I mean, for us specifically, a huge portion of our business is relying on Instagram continuing to prioritize photo content. (laughs) 
which is a whole other source of panic. We can get into it at a later time. But I know we want to discuss Adam Masseri's video and the response to that. But just to backtrack for a little bit, there was this image that started to go viral. It was initially created by at Illumitati on Instagram. And it said, make Instagram Instagram again. Stop trying to be TikTok. I just want to see cute photos of my friends. Sincerely, everyone. And that really started to gain traction. I'm sure some of you saw your friends sharing it. And it was definitely prominent in stories. And then boom, both Kim and Kylie shared that to their stories. And you have to remember, between Kim and Kylie, not even including the rest of the family, they have 689 million Instagram followers. So anytime they do something like that, it's going to make headlines. It's going to cause conversation. (laughs) I don't know how you felt, but personally for me, when I saw it, I felt like, yes, the little guys are going to have a chance to be heard. It was such a sense of relief to see them post it because... You almost feel like you're going crazy when something like that happens. And I feel like with Instagram, it's kind of been building for a little while. And then with this latest update, you were like, okay, is anybody going to do anything about this? Like, we're just going to sit back and let this happen to us. And so when Kim and Kylie came in and they posted that, I was like, oh my God, there is no way that this thing can be ignored. And you're almost right. Like, even if Adam Mosseri didn't respond, even if Instagram didn't make the change, it was almost just validating enough for somebody as big as Kim and Kylie to be like, No, no, we see it too. So Adam Osari, the CEO of Instagram, releases this video. We'll put the link in the description for anyone who didn't see it. But he didn't directly acknowledge this plea from celebrities in the public that was going viral, but he kind of was clearly responding to the general criticism. And he explained that it's just a test. It's not a permanent update. But he did kind of double down on the fact that there is seemingly more of a desire for video and they will be gently moving in that direction. Again, I'll put the link so you can watch it yourself. So after that, I think, if anything, more kind of panic ensued. And then not too far after that, a spokesperson for Meta made a statement saying, quote, based on our findings and community feedback, we're pausing the full screen test on Instagram so we can explore other options. And we're temporarily decreasing the number of recommendations you see in your feed so we can improve the quality of your experience. We recognize that changes to the app can be an adjustment, and while we believe that Instagram needs to evolve as the world changes, we want to take the time to make sure we get this right. Which I got to tell you, that felt like such a win. It felt like having a voice. (laughs) It it really did. I mean, I, I know specifically for us, it's more than just an inconvenience. It's like a legitimate panic that takes over us because, again, that's how we you know, built this brand and like it really is directly connected to our livelihood. But just for anyone, I I think that it definitely felt a sense of calmness. Yeah. I mean, listen, the way that Instagram works is such a symbiotic relationship. It's like if you're an influencer, you need it for your platform. You need it to promote what you're doing. You need to stay in business. If you're a celebrity, you need it for relevancy. If you're a normal person using Instagram, you don't necessarily need it. It's a want. And so what Instagram has to do is make you want to be there, want to share your photos. And the higher levels of Instagram that use it for their business can only exist as long as everyone else wants to use the app and wants to be on there and wants to see the content that's being given to them. So it's like every single level panics once something like that happens. But I have to tell you that if you go to Adam's initial video before a few days later, Instagram made the statement that they would be pausing the test, the comments were fascinating. Like, I want to read Jen Atkins. She said, it's so discouraging for businesses that have connected to our consumers through Instagram to produce content and have it not reach the amount of people it used to. Also, not everyone wants to shoot and edit video content, but we all have to scramble because that's what Instagram prioritizes. First, it was IGTV long form to compete with YouTube and then stories to compete with Snapchat. And now you're forcing everyone to do what TikTok is doing. 
which is one of the more concise comments, but there were a lot that kind of echoed that same sentiment. And I know it is so different. I am not comparing the two, but when she said Snapchat, it immediately brought me back to the now famous 2018 tweet from Kylie when she said, so does anyone else not open Snapchat anymore or is it just me? Oh, this is so sad. Still love you though, Snap, my first love. And quite literally as a result of that tweet, Snap Inc. lost $1.3 billion in market value in a day and it caused the shares to drop as much as 7.2%. So again, nobody panic and I'm talking to us. That's not happening with Instagram. Clearly they were just asking for a change, not boycotting the app. But there is so much power in the Kardashians' voices, whether you love them or hate them. I mean, their influence is massive. I actually think the Kylie Snapchat situation is extremely comparable to this. And let me be clear. Instagram didn't only change because of the Kardashians. It's not like Kylie and Kim came on, posted it, and Instagram was like, okay, we have to listen to them. That's not what happened. But they have an insane outreach. And like you said, they have over 600 million followers between the two of them. And so for 600 million followers to see that they're unhappy with the platform, obviously Instagram is going to have to respond in some sort of a way to that. But the conversation that's so interesting in regards to the Snapchat thing is that the amount of influence that Kylie had in that time to cause Snapchat to drop shares 7.2% as a result of something she tweeted was incomparable to anything we've ever seen at that time. I mean, even on a minor level, if you remember two years prior to the Snapchat tweet, she had, I think, made a Snapchat story about pomegranate seeds and pomegranate seed sales went up 69%, if I remember. Like, the influence that she was able to have over not just her followers at that time, but like clearly everybody was like nothing we've ever seen before. And so the question really is, does Kylie still have that same level of influence? Well, I guess it really depends who you ask. There's no definitive answer to that. And numerically speaking, their influence has only grown. But if you're asking me personally, the answer is no. And I think one, that King Kylie era is impossible to replicate. The level of public infatuation was so high. And not to say it's not high now. I mean, one could argue it's higher. But I think if I'm trying to look at this objectively, while the infatuation has grown, so has the general public fatigue around the Kardashians. And obviously, that doesn't apply to me and you. I know like we're never going to get tired of it. But I think to the general public, there's just a sense of kind of Kardashian exhaustion. So I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm off, but I don't think her influence now is the same way that it was when she had that Snapchat tweet. I really don't. So I agree and disagree with you at the same time. I agree that it's not the same level of influence. I disagree in the sense of I don't actually think that it has anything to do with the public opinion towards the Kardashians because I, I think that's always been the case with them. Like you either love them or hate them. That is the one thing that has never wavered with them. What I think it is, is that that was really the birth of influencer marketing. And so Kylie was kind of the only one doing it at that time. And now you have so many more people that have kind of flooded that way of doing business. And so I think it's less about the fact that Kylie doesn't have that same influence and more about the fact that that level of influence is being shared among so many more people. Incredible point. Yes. So you're saying basically general fatigue to the idea of influencer marketing that the Kardashians are included in and then separate Kardashian fatigue that exists also increasing. 
Yeah, like I don't even know if it's generally fatigue in terms of the influencer marketing space. I just think that the wealth of the influence she once had is really shared among so many different people. Now you add TikTok to that equation in terms of how many more influencers we have, and that number continues to multiply. And so I think that the market value of influencers and their opinions, if you total it all up, is probably as high as Kylie's was as one singular person at that time. Right. The thing is, just to really make it specifically to Kylie, because obviously this is such a larger conversation that I know we both are fascinated by. I also think at the time, we almost viewed Kylie as the rebel of the family in a way. And you know, that has faded over the years. I don't view her as the rebel of the family anymore. I do think that in a lot of ways, she still beats to her own drum. But I associate Kylie so much more as part of the Kardashian-Jenner family now than I think I did at that time, which is kind of a bizarre thing to say. Obviously, she's always been a part of it. But to me, it's like, I, I don't know, there was just something about the way in which she led her life. And maybe that was because of her age and because of you know, the lifestyle at the time that I would always just felt like, wow, she's really rebelling against this. Yeah. I think that was the appeal of her. Like she just did things in her own way. Like everybody followed one specific pattern and she paved the way to do it another way. And they kind of all followed suit. I mean, the way that Kim and the rest of them took to social media was an inevitable thing, but Kylie was the pioneer of that. They all kind of fell in line following her and took her beat in terms of how to do things. And I think you're even seeing that now with Kylie on TikTok, where you're seeing this resurgence of interest in Kylie and people really rediscovering Kylie as a social media figure because they're loving her presence on TikTok. Whereas Instagram, it was obviously fun and it continues to be fun to follow Kylie, but so much of that is business related. Whereas now you're seeing her in a little bit of a different way because she's showing off more of her personality. Well, I think that what happened for Kylie when it comes to TikTok, obviously, I mean, none of us are naive to the fact that clearly they recognize TikTok is an up and coming platform and they need to really have a presence there. Of course I get that. However, I think the issue that was happening with her on Instagram is that she was feeling uninspired by it. And so you we're getting into a phase where her marketing wasn't working the same way it always was because those were the only times she would post a story is when she was doing the swatches on her arm. And that's all good and fine when it's mixed in with other content about her daily life. So now, and obviously none of this is factual, it's just like what I'm picking up, in addition to wanting to gain her presence, I also think she's having fun with it. Like when she made that video with Chris in the Kylie Cosmetics office a few days ago, I genuinely think she's having fun doing that. When she's on there with Stoss and they're doing dances, I think she's excited about the way she can express herself there. Not to say that won't come again on Instagram, but I just think that there was a little bit of a lull there, which is why the marketing was so much more in your face than it ever was before because it wasn't mixed in with the rest of the content. Totally. I totally agree. But also I think what it is with Kylie, and I think this is why it worked initially is because the way that she uses social media makes you feel like her friend. Snapchat was her platform. Like that's why that Snapchat stock dropped because of that tweet is because that was how we connected with Kylie. And that's how we felt like we were her friend. We watched her Snapchat stories. You almost felt like you could send her a Snapchat and she would respond. And then she moved on to Instagram and she used Instagram kind of in that way. And I still think that she does. And now you're seeing her use TikTok in that same way. And we've had this conversation so often about how if you're a celebrity and you can use TikTok well, 
you're golden, but it's a hard thing to do. And I really think that as a celebrity, one of like the biggest keys to success on TikTok is if there is any audio, if there's any trend that even remotely has to do with you or directly has to do with you, play into that. People eat that up. And that's what we're seeing Kylie do. But what's interesting about Instagram, and this goes back to the general conversation about celebrities, is that I don't think you'll ever see that large of a migration to TikTok in the way that we saw celebrities joining Instagram because I think it's too difficult. Like TikTok is not the most user-friendly platform to be a creator on. You really have to like know your way around the app. And as a celebrity, if you just want to post something and remind people, hey, I'm still here, that's Instagram all day. Throw up a couple of pictures, throw up a dump, and you're golden. No one who is using Instagram in that way wants to sit and figure out and navigate TikTok. TikTok is really for the celebrities who want to use it because they enjoy that platform and want to explore themselves creatively in that way. And that's what you're seeing Kylie do. Right. But let's take that even a step further, because obviously these people have massive teams that help them navigate any social integration they're doing. So let's take Chris Evans, for example. If he decides or him and his team decide that he wants to gain a TikTok presence, he's not the one that has to deal with how user-friendly or not user-friendly TikTok is. He's not the one that's actually doing the transitions. However, it is still more demanding of him. If you're a Chris Evans social or PR person, it's not just like getting him to pose for an Instagram photo or getting him to do a quick Instagram story. If he wants to really partake in these trends and really do these duets, it's just naturally a little bit more time consuming, which feels like such a ridiculous problem. But I mean, we know how a lot of these celebrities are to deal with to get even a minute of their time, even if it's for personal growth, is a big undertaking. So I think that's just another aspect to all of this, because even if they have the most social media savvy team who knows exactly how to do it and is very efficient, it is still more of a commitment on their behalf than it is for Twitter or Instagram. And, you know, I just think that that's something we're also seeing in terms of the hesitance. Well, let's talk about musician artists, celebrities joining TikTok and the most annoying brand of TikTok joining, which is my record label is forcing me to be here. That is, I think, everybody on the app's biggest pet peeve in the entire world to see that video come across your screen because you're like, either be here or don't, but let's not blame it on the record label. And maybe that is true to a certain extent, but if you want to come on the app, that line's not working. It, it, that, that line of I'm forced to be here is as effective as not being there in the first place. Exactly. It's not even like they're entirely wrong. I mean, we know for a fact that record labels are requiring or strongly pushing their talent to have a presence on TikTok because they know there's a huge correlation between a trending or viral sound and then how that song performs on the chart. So it's not even like it's completely illegitimate. It's just very, very poorly received. And I actually want to say this too, because I don't think we've spoken about it. Have we talked about Megan Trainer and her relationship with Chris Olsen and the way that that's kind of transformed her TikTok presence? We haven't, but I would love to. Okay, this may feel a little bit niche. If you're on TikTok, you know exactly what I'm talking about, and you're probably nodding. Quick 20 seconds for anyone who isn't familiar. Megan Trainer, obviously very well-known recording artist, married to Daryl Sabara, most famously known from Spy Kids. And there's a very famous creator on TikTok named Chris Olsen. Him and Megan Trainer just so happen to be childhood friends. Like that is a real thing. And so he becomes this massive TikTok creator. Obviously, she's a very famous singer, and they've made such viral content together, and they've brought in people like Jojo Siwa and other people who are very viral in the TikTok space. And I really do think I have more of an awareness of Megan Trainer 
because of her relationship to Chris Olsen and the way that I think he has taught her to utilize the app than I ever would have otherwise. Oh, absolutely. I mean, listen, here's the thing. TikTok can be used excellently. I love celebrities on TikTok, especially when they use it well. And I think that your awareness and relevancy as a celebrity overall can TikTok can do fucking amazing things for you. But it is a lot harder to accomplish what you want to accomplish on TikTok than it is on Instagram. And it's so funny because I kind of feel like, and I wonder if you're the same, I'm sure you are. I feel like I have two modes. Like when I look at Instagram, I can only view it through the lens of somebody who has an account that is a business account versus TikTok where I can only really view it as a consumer because I'm so frustrated trying to approach it as somebody trying to build on there. And so I inherently view the two apps so differently in the way that people use the two apps so differently. So like with celebrities on Instagram, I look at them as like, honestly, a means to an end. Whereas with TikTok, I judge them so much more harshly because I'm only using it in this current moment as somebody who's just a user of TikTok. And so it's it's an entirely different playing field that way. It's so true. It is so true. And it's almost like I wish that I could have that same innocence on Instagram that I do on TikTok in a way because I'm such just the consumer. Like I really, really am. I'm not viewing it as a business at the moment, although obviously that's something that we are thinking of in other ways. But then the the like Instagram mindset comes into play when I'm scrolling through TikTok and I'm like, God damn it. This would be such a perfect video for a celebrity to comment on, but it's not even like they could because they're not even on the app. So that's kind of when the two merge of like, wait a second, this is great content, but I could take these talents to Instagram real quick if you would just get on the app. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. And that's starting to be my approach with TikTok as I see more celebrities join where I'm like, please start commenting, please start commenting because not only have we started posting those on Instagram, which we love doing, and it gives me so much joy to be able to do that. I would also love for that to be something that we can do on TikTok as well. But it requires so many more celebrities to continue to join. And I don't, like I said before, I think you'll see younger celebrities, of course, it'll be their norm to use TikTok. It won't be a thing where they have to join and they have to be onboarded and they have to learn the app. It's just, they will grow up using the app. Whereas when you see older celebrities start to join, you're like, I'm skeptical of how this is going to work because it is clearly going to be a process. Right. It's like Lizzo just cannot carry this entire app as the main A-list celebrity presence forever. I mean, I'm sure she's more than happy to do it, but I wish, I wish honestly in my dream world, Lizzo could just sit down, you know, a group of 10 A-list celebrities at a time and invite them over to her house, like a very kind of casual setting where she explains how she's done it. Obviously, there would be the basic understanding that some of what she's accomplished is just impossible to accomplish as someone else because part of it is so closely tied to her personality. But she has cracked the code. And on that topic, sorry, I have so many thoughts about this and they're all coming out right now. Something I think Lizzo did so brilliantly is that when she was promoting Yiddy, her shapewear brand, she really included and utilized such viral and well-respected TikTok talent. For example, Rem 
Sammy Bader or Drew Afulo, people like that who, yes, of course, if you're trying to get a product to a larger audience, you want to send it to influencers with large followings. But the reason that it didn't feel inauthentic coming from Lizzo is because she's been so engaged and active within the TikTok community that you already felt like she was friends with these people. So it just felt like such a natural integration as opposed to, you know, influencers getting product from a celebrity brand when, you know, the celebrity doesn't even know who they are. I couldn't have more to say. I could actually do the entire episode about this. I know. The other thing that that reminded me is we talk about Twitter humor a lot where like you kind of had to have been on the app for so long to really understand the intricacies of the way that Twitter humor evolves. And obviously there are certain jokes that are just going to be funny regardless, but there are also certain jokes that are just so Twitter specific. And we even notice that as we say often in the way that we speak, where we start using phrases or we start using things that originated as tweets and just our everyday vernacular. Instagram doesn't necessarily have that. Like Instagram is its own thing. I think Instagram is a absolutely wonderful app, but I think that Instagram's main purpose is like showing us your day-to-day life, which is wonderful. There's a lot of opportunity for jokes. There's a lot of opportunities for memes, a hundred percent, but it's not really like niche stuff that you've had to been on for a while to understand. TikTok is an app, I think, where it has that really layered humor And so one of the things with celebrities joining TikTok is that if you have been on since the beginning, maybe you didn't have an account, but you've kind of been lurking and following, and then you join with the understanding of the way that TikTok works and the way that TikTok humor works, you're starting at 100. That's what people want to see. But if you have no understanding of TikTok and you're just joining for the sake of relevancy or joining because you want to get on, you almost have to take a, a course to be able to be caught up. I think that's the beauty of Instagram is that you get to just jump in and you get to just be on and you can join tomorrow and understand everything that's right in front of you. But it makes TikTok harder to do. Yes. And to bring it back to our initial conversation, that is why we were all basically pleading with Instagram and saying, if you really break it down, we love the simplicity of the way you've done things. The simplicity has what's kept us all so connected. And if it ain't broke, don't fucking fix it. That's why it is exactly that. You can go into Instagram pretty much blind and day two, you're going to figure it out. It is not the same on these other platforms, whether it's because of it, the user-friendly nature of it, like a TikTok, or really needing to be in on the format of jokes and understand the way it works before getting active like a Twitter. Such a true point. This is like so cathartic for me right now. I know because all I've wanted to do is have this conversation. All I've wanted to do is say Instagram works because Instagram is Instagram. TikTok works because TikTok is TikTok. Twitter works because Twitter is Twitter. They all exist separately. They all need each other. They all depend on each other, but they all have to be separate in order to keep us all happy. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. 
And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over-the-counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid-free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing and itchy nose due to allergies. We wanted to give an update on the J-Lo Ben Affleck wedding situation because I know on one of the recent episodes, we were kind of just hypothesizing about what a potential party could look like if it were to happen. And according to page six, they will be having a celebration. They apparently hired Colin Cowie, who's a luxury event planner, very similar to a Mindy Weiss, to create, quote, the lavish wedding bash of their dreams. An insider says that it will take place in Riceboro, Georgia. Ben Affleck has this insane 87-acre property. It's called The Big House. And apparently it will be a multi-day affair and they'll invite everyone that couldn't be there in Vegas. So if this is true, then I guess my gut was right. You were right. I didn't even think they were coming back from Paris ever. Yeah, they've been busy. I mean, (laughs) there's been so many like paparazzi photos of them, even the one of him sleeping on that boat. What about him crying? I always find it interesting when celebrities have very public honeymoons. But that's the exact thing that contributes to a lot of people's belief that this entire thing either is for publicity or started for publicity and then manifested itself into a real thing. Obviously, that's not my belief. But even this weekend, I don't know if I told you this, when I was uh, with Julie's family this weekend, her sister was saying to me that it was like the first not, thing she not said. Not me, by the way. <laughs> no, not 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 Julie. My other friend, Julie. Her sister, the, the first thing she said when I landed, she's like, I want to talk to you about JLo and Ben. And I was like, talk to me. And she had this whole theory about how it was entirely contrived relationship. And then they ended up actually, you know, falling in love and the side benefit ended up just being the good PR. That's not where I stand, but, you know, the very public honeymoon would only give further ammunition to people who believe something like that. It's an interesting theory. I mean, listen, I don't, I never know where I stand on the start of this relationship. The way it happened did feel a little all too convenient, but the way that it's progressed makes me a little less skeptical of that, I guess. But I do think that there is a fair amount of image curation going on here. 
specifically for Ben Affleck. Right. And not to say there isn't, but then, for example, the paparazzi photo of him crying, it's like, how'd that make its way through this potential image curation, you know? (laughs) Right. I mean, I guess overall, like, okay, if we're going like the most skeptical side of myself with this relationship, I think it's real. I think it's 100% real. The skeptic in me isn't doubting the relationship. What the skeptic or the person who is a little too in tune to the way that Hollywood exists and runs the thing that I would say is this is real, but in order for JLo's image to be protected, Ben Affleck's image has to like really elevate itself because he's clearly the one in the relationship that's had his issues with that. And so, for example, the kids being with them on the honeymoon. Yeah, I am sure they are thrilled to have their kids there. If you're asking the skeptic in me what I think of that, we are putting forward the most family oriented look possible for Ben Affleck, which benefits only both of them in this relationship for a relationship that is very real, but has to exist as long as the public is on their side. Right. Yeah. I mean, so my stance on it is they had the kids there because they wanted the kids there. And obviously there were so many other things going on. Jayla was performing, you know, this and that, but somewhere in this plan of it all that was not lost. It's so funny because like when I approach, like when I'm the one saying it and I'm throwing out like the theories of why they did this, how this looks for them, how this protects their image, what the PR spin on this is. Like I am able to throw out a million things. As soon as I hear somebody on TikTok come forward with this like outlandish theory about the PR spin that they put, I'm like, these people are people. Like it's not that deep. It's not that diabolical. But like when I do it, it's a whole other ballgame. <laughs> I'm always the latter though. I, I'm just like in general, I think a lot less skeptical than you are almost and maybe to a fault in a way that it's like even more naive. I honestly think there was a part of it that once we started on this job and we kind of became aware of some of the realities. I think there's almost a part of me I sometimes feel that wants to like protect that same enthusiasm and excitement that I had about celebrities in Hollywood when I was younger before this became like our entire livelihood. I was going to say like, I almost want to protect the celebrity themselves, which is a way more ridiculous point. It's like the, the way that I feel when people like come up with these outlandish theories about like PR spins that celebrities have, it's almost like, whoa, whoa, I can talk shit about my friend, but like you can't say that. Right. That's like when you go out with a guy, you don't hear from him. It's like, wait, I know I didn't text you. But why didn't you text me? <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you and honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. And the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T H E O U A I dot com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T H E O U A I dot com, promo code CELEBS.
People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. Okay, moving into the Charlie D'Amelio, Landon Barker, Chase Hudson saga, which we are very passionate about. First thing I want to say is we're not going to do a whole extensive breakdown here. We've done that before. I believe it was episode 293 where we really broke down the key players for anyone that was confused, but we've also spoken about it on episodes 294 and 296. Very, very (laughs) funny. Just funny. Can I ask you a question before you continue? Did yeah. you think that calling him Chase Hudson in the intro versus Lil Heidi like made it like so much more legitimate in your eyes for being able to talk about it? It was a conscious decision. Yes, it like, felt super conscious. Yeah, it was. It was super conscious. I also wanted to respect the fact that he's no longer going by Little Huddy. He's dropped a little and is just Huddy. Oh, that's respectful. <laughs> He'll always be Little Huddy to me. Okay, 60 seconds of background for anyone who's just coming in. We're not doing a full extensive breakdown. We've done that numerous times before. I don't want it to feel repetitive, but quick 60 seconds if you're coming in and have no idea what we're talking about. Three key players. Number one, Charlie D'Amelio, viral TikTok sensation who's really grown into mainstream celebrity. Number two, Chase Hudson also originated as a TikTok star and now is an up-and-coming musician. And third, Landon Barker, the son of Travis Barker and Shannon Mochler, also an aspiring musician. Of course, Chase Hudson and Charlie dated very seriously for a long time, especially when they first started on the app, officially broke up in April 2020 and kind of were on and off since then. The kicker here is that Chase and Landon were very, very good friends. Chase was so close to him that he was actually Landon's plus one to Travis and Courtney's wedding in Italy. And then just a few weeks later, relationship rumors start swirling about Charlie and Landon. So Chase and Landon are best friends. All of a sudden, it's speculated that Landon is dating Chase's ex, Charlie, and now they have confirmed that. So that's the 60 seconds of background. Did I miss anything important? No, I could just tell that by the way you described it, you're way more deep in than you even realize. Can I just laugh for one second at the fact that you described Charlie and Lil Huddy's relationship as being very serious and very long? They were 15 and they dated for a couple months. (laughs) It felt serious. Don't tell me that it didn't feel serious. 
But that's why I'm saying, like, I, you're not alone in this. Like, we are all far more deep in than we even realize. But in that moment, I was like, oh, God, she's way deeper than she realizes. Well, there's no going back now. All right. So the reason we're talking about this now is because this week, Chase drops his song, All the Things I Hate About You. And this went absolutely viral on TikTok. I'm not going to even attempt to sing it. I'm just going to say the lyrics. I'm sure you all have heard them. It's stab me in the back like nothing. Never even saw this coming. I watched you making it public. Lights, camera, fuck it. You're a showstopper, a bad liar. I I, am dying to sing it. You're a showstopper, a bad liar, homie hopper, drama starter. All my friends are fucked. We all got you in common. You could have had a rock star, but you chose on a bum star. Bootleg version of me. That's your loss. Had to find out through a photo. I mean. Shots were fired, and this, of course, was apparently in response to Landon and Charlie's relationship becoming public. So much here. So much here. I'm laughing because (laughs) the the thing with this song that's, like, so unbelievable is that, like, it both worked and backfired at the exact same time, and I've never seen anything do that before in the way that this has, where every single person is, like, this is so catchy, but also like we're not on your side. Right. If anything, it's like, wow, this is such a compliment to Charlie. She is a showstopper. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with hopping homies, let her live her life. At the same time, this is a banger and I'm going to listen to it on repeat. So it really worked out for both parties, actually, because if anything, Charlie's stock was raised as the queen that she is. And I think that Chase was taken a little bit more seriously as a musician. Of course, the reason that this story has even more nuance is that Chase has worked very closely with Travis in the past. So initially in February, he released his second single, The Eulogy of You and Me. It was co-written and produced by Travis. And then in August of last year, he released the single Don't Freak Out, which features Travis. So Travis produced and has a writing credit on his entire album, Teenage Heartbreak, which was released last September. So it's not like when Chase was at Courtney and Travis's wedding. He was this random friend of Landon's. He was close with Travis himself. As we've discussed kind of extensively, Travis has really cemented himself as, I would say, kind of like a a mentor for these up-and-coming TikTok musicians who are making their way into kind of mainstream fame. So it's very, very interesting what's happening here. It's so funny because this is not the first drama that's occurred within this group and not the first drama that's involved Landon Barker. There was a situation with Josie Conseco and Jaden Hostler, who Travis has also worked with. And it's so funny to me because I don't know if this is like an accurate portrayal of Travis or just the one that I have in my head. But like when I view Travis in this whole situation, it's like he is just the fun, friendly neighborhood dad who's so passionate about music that saw all of these kids starting their career and really just wanted to help them out. Like in my mind, Travis is only involved in this out of the goodness of his heart in terms of like the way that he has helped these musicians and played drums on their song and helped produce their tracks. Like I view it as like he is the father of, of punk rock, punk pop rock, and he just wants to lend a helping hand. And so it's so funny to me that like my view of it is that. And then all of a sudden he's like involved in all of this drama and his son is directly involved. And now he's like, I just wanted to like play music with some younger kids. And now he's like navigating high school drama. Well, hold on just for a second to bring in the other parents in the equation. Obviously, Charlie's parents are very public as well, Mark and Heidi. And Heidi had posted on her story, little mister gaining attention on the internet by playing the victim because you're self-centered and have zero self-awareness. And then some people thrive on being the victim. Others learn and grow and mature from relationships. Pick your player. 
which is obviously her very heavily defending her daughter, Charlie. The reason that this whole thing is so mind-blowing to me is that Chase was very, very close with Charlie's family. I mean, Mark and Heidi actually publicly defended him when he was under some sort of criticism. And obviously, Chase and Charlie had a past when he apparently cheated on her. But even throughout all of this, they remained very, very close friends. So I'm not saying that this is a PR stunt. I think it would be very mentally taxing, specifically for Charlie, who's been so open about her anxiety. But if it were to be a PR stunt, it would make sense. I mean, at the end of May, at Travis and Courtney's wedding, Landon and Chase are posting together writing for life. And Chase seemingly had a great relationship with the entire D'Amelio family. And all of a sudden, everything switches up and this song comes out. It almost feels like the time frame doesn't fully make sense. But at the same time, I am riding this wave. See, this is an example of one where I'm like, this is so obviously not a PR stunt. This is just like high schoolers. Like, this is just drama. But again, with every single thing, there are PR benefits to it. Like, that's how the game is played. I don't think the situation is a PR stunt. But I think that within the lack of a PR stunt, there are things to be played up, which is how I think every single thing in Hollywood works every single time, which is what I think people have a hard time understanding, which is like things can be authentic, but lack authenticity in the way that they're presented to the public oftentimes. And I think that's such an example of what you're seeing here. Like, I think that, for example, Lil Honey making this song, who is he the most mad at? Probably his friend Landon, but who's going to sell the most records making it about Charlie? And so that was a strategic decision being made. Right. But my thing is just the timeline for a second, because Travis and Courtney's wedding is May 22nd, right? If we track this just based on our episodes, which is hilarious in and of itself that we can track the timeline based on us talking about it. Episode 293 was from June 28th when we first started talking about Landon and Charlie. Let's say that started happening a week earlier. So around June 22nd is speculation of Landon and Charlie potentially dating. What happened in that month? Because May 22nd, Landon and Chase are posting together their brothers for life. Landon literally takes him as his plus one to the Italy wedding that Malika wasn't even at. How does this happen in a month's time? And I get it. It's it's kind of what would be going on in high school. I totally understand. It just feels, I don't know, kind of shocking to me. I saw the funniest TikTok. And by the way, this is one of my major complaints with TikTok is that once I see it, it's impossible to find what you saw again just to bring that back to our earlier conversation, but I saw the funniest TikTok about somebody being like, I can't even believe that homie hopper is being used in any sort of a negative connotation. It's like, I dated you. There were obviously things I liked about you. We didn't work out for whatever reason. I'm looking for a slight upgrade. Your friends are your friends for a reason. You've basically pre-vetted them for me. You've basically chosen them for me. Like, why wouldn't I just move on to that? And I was like, that is such a hilarious way of looking at this whole situation. And it almost like is exactly what happened here. It's like Charlie wanted like kind of Lil Huddy, but a little bit different of a version. And so she moved on to Landon. Right. And then let's just take this bigger picture for a second. It's not just like it's your ex's friend who's maybe a quote upgraded version. It's also your ex's friend who happens to be Kourtney Kardashian's stepson. So in the midst of this entire thing happening, Charlie releases her debut fragrance and boom, a week later, Kourtney is posting it on her story tagging Charlie. So like, I mean, there's one winner here and it's Charlie. There's always one winner and it's always Charlie. 
this is the funniest example of the everything connects back to the Kardashian game. It's like this girl from Norwalk, Connecticut joins TikTok, dates a guy, has drama with the guy, dates his friend, and now all of a sudden she's being posted on Kourtney Kardashian's story because of it. Like the connections to be able to get to that point are just I can't even believe it sometimes that we're able to get from point A to point B. Yeah. I mean, this whole thing really was wild. We'll, we'll obviously watch how it continues to unfold, but it's not just TikTok news. I mean, I really fully consider this mainstream news. I know to some people they'll never be interested, and I totally respect if that's how you feel. But to say that it's irrelevant, I think, is just objectively false at this moment. Well, again, like it's it's funny because it now involves the Kardashians, like this drama that used to only exist on TikTok or only exist in like this small part of our brains that was almost irrelevant to everything else we were talking about was like a guilty pleasure is now a mainstream news story, not just because they themselves have become so mainstream, but because of the relationship to the Kardashians. And also that's a whole conversation with the D'Amelios as well in terms of everybody attempting to label them as the next quote Kardashians, which I inherently disagree with. I don't think that when you have somebody like the Kardashians, you can say there's a next one of them because I think you're automatically setting them up for failure. There will never be a next, but that is somewhat of the trajectory they're going in. So to see that thing that we have been talking about since day one, since the first day the D'Amelios really came on the scene as a family, and we predicted that for them, to see it kind of coming to fruition through the relationships, I mean, th- that makes it mainstream. Yeah, it really, really does. I mean, the the, the turn of events here is, is quite wild to witness. <laughs> People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their bestseller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest hundred percent organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30-night worry-free guarantee so you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bowlin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BowlinBranch.com. That's Bowlin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. 
Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada, yada, yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. I know we don't normally talk about album releases and that's not going to change now, but we have to talk about one aspect of Beyonce dropping Renaissance, which as a side just so happened to be absolutely incredible. So the album was scheduled to release on the 29th and there was actually a leak before that. And we just wanted to read what Beyonce posted on her Instagram because it's a larger conversation. Basically, she says, so the album leaked and you all actually waited until the proper release time so you all can enjoy it together. I've never seen anything like it. I can't thank you all enough for your love and protection. I appreciate you for calling out anyone that was trying to sneak into the club early. It means the world to me. Thank you for your unwavering support. Thank you for being patient. We're going to take our time and enjoy the music. I will continue to give my all and do my best to bring you joy. I love you deep. I guess my comment on it is, I know we've spoken before about how Beyonce almost exists in a category of her own when it comes to her as an entertainer and an artist and really just a public figure. But I just want to touch on that one line when she says, I appreciate you for calling out anyone that was trying to sneak into the club early. Because to me, that so perfectly illustrated exactly what happened when the leak occurred. And I think that she's among a very small group of artists where that almost collective sense of protection would take place. I just think that with most people, no matter how famous or how well-respected they are, the desire to listen early or, I don't know, kind of the high that one would get off the salacious nature of a leak would almost take precedent to the real respect to the music and the artist. I'm not saying it's non-existent. I just think that Beyonce is one of the few artists that that would happen. And the way that the public band together in this like sense of protection as she described it was really remarkable. I think so too. I mean, I can use myself honestly as the perfect example of that because I can tell you right now that there is not a leak of any sort that I have not gone out of my way to find it. When I found out Beyonce's album leaked, I didn't even move a muscle. Like there was no part of me that even wanted to seek that out. And I don't know if it's because of like the protectiveness of Beyonce that I feel or like it's Beyonce, so I wouldn't dare listen earlier. I wouldn't dare affect the streaming, whatever it is. I think that for me personally, it was like, I know that what Beyonce is putting out is like art and it is meant to be listened to at the time that it drops and the way that it drops and the order that it drops in. And I'm not going to mess around with that for one second. And I think that a lot of people felt that way too. But again, that goes into her being in such a category of her own. Right. I think that there was an angle of it that not to say selfish, because that kind of has a negative connotation, but that was self-focused of like, I have waited so long to receive this. I want to receive it in the way that will bring me the most joy and the most pleasure. And I know that that's exactly how she intended for it to be. So the whole thing was just really, really interesting. And I think probably a larger comment on the way that music is received in different artists. And there's so much, and I know there are other artists where that exact same sentiment could be applied, but I just felt that her statement was really representative of of kind of the way that it occurred. And it's just something that we wanted to mention, even though I know we typically don't talk about album releases. Absolutely. I mean, listen, it's indicative of her entire career. I mean, she's 40 years old. She has been in the industry for 25 years. And you can look at just the way that this album is performing to be able to look at the influence and the art that Beyonce has, because it's untouchable. Totally. Totally. Is there anything else about anything that you wanted to mention? 
No, I think that's it. Okay, well, we'll be back either tomorrow or Wednesday for the Kardashian bonus show. And then Isabel and I will be back on Friday for Bravo. Guys, for listening, we love you so much. 